Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Let's just say that it could cause Molly to start smoking. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Let's get Lou Nanny in here. That was a feisty last half hour talking about... Hockey storylines. I thought, so here's the summation of what we just talked about, Lou. Judd is, you know, I think rightfully so in some ways, upset that the NHL playoff format gives you Nashville-Winnipeg in the second round instead of the third round. And I feel like unless you're a diehard hockey fan, you're probably not all that interested in a in a in a series that doesn't have they're great teams, but there's no like historical significance to the rivalry and no geographical significance. Penguins, Caps, on the other hand, where you've got a dynasty on the line and you've got Ovechkin never having won a cup. I think the NHL has something in Penguins, Caps that can hook in a lot of casual fans who may not have uh, otherwise had interest. What do you think? Well, there's no doubt they can. And, and uh, the fact that both are in the U.S. really helps because that's that's what the NHL worries about. The NHL has to have great American ratings. You know you're going to get good ratings in Canada. And so with the Winnipeg team, it's not as important to the U.S. But I got to tell you, I, I certainly would would rather have Nashville and Winnipeg in the third round than in the first, second round because uh, I, I, frankly, I think that that series could be the best series of all the rounds. And, and it's just the fact that having Winnipeg as a name is not exciting to many in the United States because they're not aware of Winnipeg, don't know enough about it. That's unfortunate, but. Uh, that's every bit of well to me. It's the most entertaining series, and it's it's so fun too, Lou. Because I'm they're fast and oh. and tough. It, it, fast and, and it's great. Hit and they, I mean, it's got everything. It's got everything you want there. They, they got everything you want in a, in a hockey series, and and they, I love Pittsburgh and and uh, Washington because you got Crosby and Ovechkin is the best storyline in the playoffs. But yep, the best series is in, in my mind is Nashville and Winnipeg. Lou, the, the amazing thing to me about this too is is the fact that you watch these games and they are they're fast and physical and tough, and then you sit down and think they've got two rounds left potentially. I mean, I'd be I'd be gassed, but by now, and these teams are are playing uh, at top speed right now, and then if they advance and go on, they've got potentially two rounds of games left. Well, I want to tell you, you, you have no idea how intense and how physical. And how demanding those playoffs are. Yeah. I, I, you know, I had the good fortune of playing in, in a number of rounds, and uh, I, I got to tell you, every game you're drained. I, I, and I remember I was taped on my whole right side from the shoulder down to the ankle. I mean, it was, 
your knees hurt, your ankles bad, your elbows hurt, your shoulders hurt, and and it's it's something you can't believe how exhausting it and how tiring it is, and 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 you just the adrenaline gets going and you go again, the game's over, and you just you don't you don't even want to move off the bench and get undressed. You just sit there, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so funny. I mean, I, I remember one year when when we had St. Louis and we had Montreal. I was cut almost every game in the same spot in the elbow. They put five stitches in, take five stitches out, five yeah. stitches in, five out. It got so bad, this went along the whole series. Then I made a, a Vietnam uh, tour to visit the servicemen in 1972, and my elbow had a big knob on the end. If I bent it all, pus would shoot out for three oh. weeks. I came home, no. and I found out they'd sold part of my elbow bad in my elbow. <laughs> That's why it was festering. What? <laughs> Whoops. Like like a like a small chunk of the pad or oh. the... yeah, just a small, just a just a little of the fiber. Oh, and that's why it wouldn't wouldn't heal. That is, you know what? That's an oh. all time hockey guy injury right there. I mean, that, like they I mean, sewed they, part they, of your pad into your body and it oh got infected. <laughs> I mean, hey, I oh. wasn't the only one. Everybody, everybody had something. I mean, it's just it's not just, like that, Lou. No, well, I was just freaky. I mean, they, they just you know weird the way it happened, but. Did you do the playoff beard thing, or did that come along no, later? I, my guys did. I don't like the playoff beard, so I wouldn't do it. I can't envision Lou Nanny with who, a beard. Who started that, Louie? Do you know? I don't know. No, I don't know who started it. I remember, you know, a lot of guys doing it, but I don't know how it started or where. I think it was just an excuse. Guys who want to shame, we get to the playoffs, and, and they sort of turned that into a ritual. Yeah. Uh, I want to, we can go back to playoffs here. I just wanted we had a call off air from one of our loyal listeners, uh, Dave, who wants to know about Ryan Suter. And... By the way, misrepresented. I'll even stand up for Judd. Misrepresented his opinion about Ryan Suter. But where, Lou, there's a lot of question marks about Ryan Suter and whether whether he's going to be able to come back right away at the start of the season. But at age 33, going to be 34, injury in play. What type of player do you think Ryan Suter is going to be the next year, two years as the contract continues? Well, if his injury is healed, then he's going to be a, a, a very solid. Um... Complete player. He's good defensively. He's good offensively. He, he, and and he'll 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 still be their best defenseman in all probability. If he, if it's healed completely, if it's not healed completely, then then you got to worry about it because Ryan, uh, you know, strong suit is not skating. He's not the the fastest skater in the world, mm-hmm. but he's certainly uh, so strong in his feet. He's smart. He's able to move the puck. He he's able to defend well. He does all the other things, but. But to do all those things, you got to be able to skate, uh, you know, at your best. And 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 having an injury down there, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's healed. I I don't know of anybody that's ever had that injury, so I can't tell you what to expect. Hey, Lou, how, how tough is that too at his age to come back from something like this? Because I would take it that's going to play a factor in him coming back potentially at full strength or not. Well, I don't think that's tough to come back from the injury if. If it's an injury, it can be healed because mm-hmm. you know he's in such great shape, and he's a, I mean, he's a physical specimen, and and he would have no problem healing. But does that injury heal to the extent that you're able to do the things you're able to do before? I don't know because, like we said, we don't know if anybody else has had that injury. Am I correct in saying that it seems like in these playoffs we, we've had more uh, stick work and cheap shots that, than I'm used to? I don't know if it's more. No, yeah, you know, it goes through cycles. We've we've seen much more than this and much less than this, but we're seeing. I I don't really think it's stick work. 
You're not seeing a lot. It's a control of the stick, and sometimes, as I told you, the adrenaline is going so much. You just you're you're in a different zone than 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 you are in the regular season. It's just so different. I can't even tell you. And and I don't think it's purpose purposely that uh, you know a lot of stick work. What you're seeing more of is cross checks in the back. Like stall took. Yeah, like stall took, like they're all taken around the net. I mean, is it like stupidity? Guys think you're going to get away with a little more, especially around the net or in the corners. And look at how many guys get cross-checked. That's where there unquestionably is a lot more than you see during the regular season. Because during the regular season, there's no doubt that they're they're more apt to call cross-checking penalty than they will in the playoffs. Uh Headshots. Do you think that we are going to to get to a point here at some point in the next five years, Louis, where where basically if you hit a guy near the the head, it's an ejection of some sort? Because the league clearly is concerned about this. They're trying to crack down. I don't know that the rules are crystal clear all, all the time about them, though. Are we just going to get to a day where where if you accident or not hit a guy in the the head, it's going to be an ejection or suspension? Well, I, I don't know if you can get to that point, and I'm really worried about it. And I don't know what you can do to curtail it because, frankly, many of those headshots aren't on purpose. And I don't know how you control not hitting somebody in the head when you're going to body check a guy and he might try and slip and duck or do different things where he puts his head in position for you to hit him, which you weren't trying to do. And it's so hard going at that speed to to know that you're going to if you hit him in the head or not. I I don't think you can get to an automatic ejection. You can get to ejection when a guy leaves his feet, ends up hitting him in the head. Yeah, you shouldn't be leaving your feet. Or or if there's definitely uh, you know a time when you you could have missed his head and you didn't. But there's so many uh, other opportunities to hit that you don't know that the guy's head's going to be there and you hit, and then all of a sudden it is. I don't know how you can just continue to throw people out. That's really a fine line that they got to worry about. So, in, in the, I mean, the NFL has some of the same problems, and they're they're meeting right now to get rid of kickoffs, potentially, because of you know, they, just, they just want to eliminate head-on collisions. So, with the NHL and the NFL, is it more of an obligation to get rid of contact, or do you think it's their obligation to just make it transparent. Hey, this is what you're signing up for. These are the risks. No longer are we going to withhold information like maybe we did 20 years ago and uh, and just know what you're signing up for. Well, I hope you're writing the letter, Phil. I hope that they don't get rid of contact because that that'll really change hockey a lot and uh, make it, to me, a lot less interesting and exciting. So I don't think you should take contact out of hockey. And I think you got to get to a point maybe where it's transparent. But you, you, you do your best to make certain you take out intentional hits to the head, flagrant hits to the head, hits where they have an opportunity, you know, to to not do it. But the incidental contact, I don't know how you can take that out. Yeah, I mean, we had, I think it was uh, Alex Boone, Vikings offensive lineman, we had on our show a couple years ago. We flat out asked him, all right, as a player, I know the you know the NFL is trying to protect guys, but they're sort of changing the game. And the NHL, you could argue the game has changed a lot the last five or ten years. Would you still sign up? to play that sport even if you knew that maybe your life would be worse off when you're 60 years old but you you got to bank a bunch of money and Alex Boone much like a lot of players in those two sports said absolutely I would still do it all over again I mean I, I'd rather live 
the way I'm living now and make the money and play a professional sport, then then either not do that or play a more watered-down version of something that I don't love. And you know why, Phil? The, the fact is we never know how long we're here, what's going to take us. You could die in a car accident. You could die, you know, uh, in a bad fall. Or so many different things. So when you when you are coming through life, I, I really think that you want to enjoy life and doing the thing you love to do because it doesn't become work to you. And and you don't know what the costs are, the sacrifices, but that's your choice to live a life that you found to you to be something that's really been enjoyable to you. So there'd be a lot of people who would sign up for that. Yeah. Wild uh, GM gets named how soon, do you think, Lou Nanny? Well, I think that uh, at the end of the Nashville series, maybe. Okay. And, Paul and Fenton, you think, still? I still think it's Paul Fenton, although, you know, there, there's so many – so many good guys out there that uh, you know he might want to talk to him, but I think it's fun because uh, you know if if you haven't if you haven't talked to uh, uh, Lombardi yet and uh, and you've talked to just a couple of the other assistant GMs, I really think that you've already narrowed the, the situation in your own mind and and having the experience and. and the opportunity of work together before with Fenton, and I know he thinks highly of him. I don't see, I don't see a change unless somebody comes in and blows him away with an interview somehow or other. But I mean, look at Toronto; they still haven't named the guy. Everybody thinks it's going to be Dubas. Yep. Now, out of the wild blue today, they start saying, "Well, maybe Eiserman's coming to Toronto." Why he would go to Toronto, I don't know. He really? was from there. Yeah, I mean, if he was going anywhere else, you would have thought it'd be Detroit. But he owns part of the team in Tampa. They've got a great team. He lives in town. He's got a home in Detroit. He goes in the summer if he wants. I don't know how Toronto would in any way, shape, or form be able to entice him out of Tampa. Yeah. If, and we, if, if they do hire Fenton, we can talk more about this in, in a week or two. But um, if it is Fenton, what, how well do you know him? What qualities would he bring? How much different would he be than Chuck Fletcher? Or would it literally just be a different set of eyes? Well, you know, it, it's going to be a different person. Everybody comes in usually different unless you – you're taking someone that's been working closely together, but uh, he's he's had a tremendous background because he's he's been in it such a long time and and been with what I think is as good a manager as there is in the league and David Poyle and uh, trained under him and been involved in all the aspects with him. So he brings he he, he brings a great pedigree. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And you know you just never know when you go from your pedigree to when you're making the choices, how it's going to be affected differently. The only thing you you know that I will tell you this: there's no doubt in my mind that uh, he had a great deal of involvement with the drafts. He, he's got to be a, a smart hockey man because they they made a lot of picks. As far as the trades go, they're David Poyles, nobody else's. Mm-hmm. I, I know David from when he first started, and uh, David's strong enough to, and, and he's got his own convictions when when he's going to make a. A trade, and he's made great trades for them, and especially with Forsberg and Subban and uh, Johansson. Even though he had to give up a good player, when you look at where that team improved, it's been through the trades, and you know, that's David's work. Can you imagine Forsberg with the cap still, Louis? No, I can't. What know, were they I, thinking? I cannot believe what were they thinking, right? Especially for a year at you know. But sometimes you think short term, and you want to make a deal <laughs> for a short term, and it just didn't work out. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week. Bye. 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 Lute Nanny, hanging out with us on Thursdays, talking puck.
All right. Let's come back. We're going to get to some uh, stuff you should know about later on. We've got Roy Smalley on Twins and Fernando in about an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> I feel like ESPN's announcement this morning or the news that broke, like, they're just punting. It's, I don't know. I don't know. What, no pun intended. Let's talk about this when we come back. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. I've been waiting for this for a long time. On 1500 ESPN. Cosell. Michaels, Dandy Don, Tariko, Dennis Miller. Don't forget OJ. OJ, Juice, <laughs> Don't. Sean McDonough, and now Joe Tessator and Jason <laughs> Witten. Yeah, which could what? Which could be your number three team on Fox <laughs> or maybe four. But as a prime time, the carrying the torch of Monday Night Football, I don't know. Like I'm with you here, and I'm, this is not to crap on Joe Tessitore, oh, who oh. you know whatever. But like, we're, th- this used to be the most revered. I don't want to go too far with this hyperbole, but I go there. Come like, on. was Make it at Pat one mad. point the most revered broadcast booth throughout the '70s, '80s, and maybe even '90s? Even when Mike Tirico and John Gruden had it, it was like Mike Tirico is top of the game. It was seen, John Gruden is top of the game. It was seen as a place where you put star power. How about yeah. that? And now it's like Jason Witten, who is a really good tight end, but not one of the four or five best tight ends of his era, and this guy who calls college basketball. Yeah, it's and it's not even Tessator because okay, you you hire a traffic cop, play by play guy. But, but that's the, not what that used to be. No, but the but the Witten hires the one that throws me off. I mean, do they think he's going to be Romo again? And because you had all you had this opportunity now to go to a three man booth and perhaps get creative and go with a Moss and somebody. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But this just seems to be safe, dull, uninspiring. If they, yeah. So I was sort of anti your Randy Moss point. I just didn't. Randy Moss in his current role is awesome. I don't know if he would fit into that sort of formulaic 20 second soundbite of, you know, I, I don't know. I just didn't see it in my head. But now that we've seen what they've landed on here, it's almost like they're waving the white flag. It's, it's almost like they've conceded Monday Night Football is no longer what it used to be. And it's now, like you just said, it's like, it's you might as well put the third best Fox pairing on Monday Night Football, which is kind of what this would be. But yes. Sunday Night Football is is more prestigious. It's possible now that Fox is going to be involved with Thursday Night Football. That's going to be more prestigious. But wouldn't this been your chance if you kind of know that Monday Night Football, you know, it needs a jolt of some kind. If and if we're not going to get it because of the games, if they're not going to give you the absolute best games, if you're not going to get Patriots two or three times, and you're not going to get the best quarterback matchups. And it looks like the schedule of Monday night games is actually a little bit better this year. Get, yeah. Why don't you do something totally different in the booth? So now I'm kind of with you. Like, why not Favre Moss and Rex Ryan or something? Yeah, and if it doesn't work, Players it doesn't work. only on Monday nights and just brand it something totally different like TNT was doing on Wednesday nights during the regular season for basketball. You see, I thought, to, to your point, I thought ESPN would have looked at, the, at what they had and said, you know what, let's just have fun here. Let's try something. Our games aren't great. They're not bad, but they're not great. And, and let's get creative. And instead, it's like they said, well, if the league's going to give us the slate of games that is okay but not great, we're going to give them broadcasters that aren't yeah. that great. And Witten might be good. I just 
I, I don't understand why for for that primetime product that's always been seen as as sort of a, a ground to do things creatively, why you're going to give me a National Football League broadcast that I could sit down on any Sunday and watch. So who are the, right now in the NFL on, on TV broadcasts, who, if the game is kind of meh, eh, it's like the Raiders and the Bears or something, but... Like, who are the broadcasters right now, color commentators and or play-by-play guys or booths that would get you, not every time, but that would get you to watch. To tune in. You know, I'll watch it because I I would say Tariko and uh, Gruden for sure used to be for me. Yeah, I love Tariko. Collinsworth and Michaels. I love Collinsworth. I love Al Michaels toward the end of the fourth quarter of a blowout game when he's referring very subtly to, like, over unders and Romo points spreads. now for sure. Tony Romo for sure. Which I think they think that that they they might be getting in Witten, but that's a mistake. Well, no, I mean to- these guys no. come. These guys come around. The guys that step in the booth and are that much fun are are hard to find. Aikman and Buck just because they usually symbolize this is a big game. Like Aikman and Buck have a big game feel to the tandem. Right, but if Buck and Aikman were working Ravens Bears, I wouldn't stay t- stay tuned for it. I might a little more just because it fe- it feels big gameish, but. Uh, Peyton Manning would have been for sure. Yes, and that's what Fox tried to get, and ESPN did for a while. And I think he, I think Peyton told ESPN no first, right? And then he came back a couple weeks after that and told Fox no. Yeah. But is there anyone else? I mean, you know, now I'm coming to your side of the fence here. Favre or Moss, one of those guys. Well, Re- Rex Ryan is more must watch than I don't. Jason Witten. To, to, uh, to go back to what I've been talking about for a while now, I don't, for the life of me, understand this need to have have the traditional booth. Like this, okay, we got Tessator, and he's going to do a great job on play-by-play, and now he's going he's gonna to be with Witten, and you're going to get the play-by-play, and then he's going to break down, the, and then Witten's going to break down the game. I don't understand why you wouldn't just say, you know what, Joe, you're the traffic cop. If you don't call a play, don't worry about it. Like if Favre start, starts rambling, and if he's terrible, he's terrible, and it doesn't work. But if it works, it could be really fun. Yeah, I mean— you're telling me Brett Favre's not if Brett Favre wanted that job that he's not moldable to some extent in a 2018 booth where you got graphics all over the place telling you what's happening on the field. Well, he's going to say out he's he at the very least is going to say probably outlandish things, which if you're ESPN is exactly what you want. Don't you want people on Tuesday saying, "Did you hear Favre last night?" Yeah. Is anyone going to say that about Joe Tessitore and Jason? <laughs> Dude, did you it's like in baseball. So I love David Ross. David Ross is David Ross, if you watch baseball, I call him Rossi, yes, Rossi, sure. Uh, David Ross is awesome in the broadcast booth, but I'll admit, if you're a casual fan, you're not going to tune into a game because David Ross is doing a broadcast, unless you just love Dancing with the Stars and you saw him on Dancing with the Stars. There's a reason why David Ross is doing some random games during the middle of the week, and A Rod is in the booth on Sunday night, their prime time game, because people might tune in for A Rod because he's A Rod, yes, right, yeah. I don't know how many people are going to go to the water cooler the next morning and be like, because sometimes I'll be like, man, Collinsworth had this great breakdown of this criticism of a player. How many people are going to do that with Jason Witten? That's my issue. But then again, you might have said that about Chris Collinsworth early on because he was a good receiver, but he also built his credibility for like 15 or 20 years to get to that point. But you did say that about Tony Romo. Well, I I think. That A, the worry that well. he wasn't going to be any good. Yeah. B, he probably still well, wants to play in the league. So is he actually going to be critical of people because he wants to make nice? I don't think any of, if it was up to me, I wouldn't start any of these guys on a top team or a primetime game. I would have them on like my second or third team. And if well, they turned out Monday to be Night great. That's what football is. 
<laughs> yeah, unfor- unfortunately, the games are, but the package is supposed to still be this this creative prime time. They've punted. almost experiment. It's two guys who are just sort of like it could literally be anyone. It, they could have put yeah. Dave Pash in the booth. It could be anyone. It's no longer a spot that broadcasters <laughs> aspire to Dave be Pash, legends. Just yeah. hit it. Dave Pash and Bill Walton, let's do it. It would be much more entertaining. Oh. Oh, can you imagine Bill Walton? Oh, <laughs> Breaking man. down football? Love games in Denver and Seattle, that's for sure. <laughs> you would not believe, believe the acupuncture session I just had later early on today. Yeah, can you, just telling ridiculous stories. All right, Dave, what's coming up in stuff next? So much good stuff. We got a thunderous dunk. We have a, an NBA apology. And, uh, yeah, we'll find something else. Mackie and Judd now continue. You're listening to The Wreck. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect name for us. We could just switch it right now. On 1500 ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by Napa Auto Parts. Napa Auto Parts has the expertise and parts you need to help keep your car on the road no matter how many miles it has. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Mackie and Judd Show, give me a go, no go for stuff you should know about. Hosts, go. Producer, we're go. Technical, go. Music, go. Volume, go. The actual stuff, we are go. Control, we are a go. You are clear to launch stuff you should know about. We are go for launch. Well, then Dave Harrigan, I say it's a go. It is a go, Judd Zolgat. Let's get right to it. This was two nights ago. Some friendly chatter between Rajon Rondo and Draymond Green. That's what you want to call it? <laughs> what do you want to call it, Chuckster? I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Which, Which one? one? <laughs> American Express halftime report. I really do. I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Why you don't like Draymond? Mario J in Atlanta. I want to punch him in the face. Why you don't like Draymond? I'm just telling you, I want to punch his ass in the face. I do. Yeah, Draymond did not appreciate that. Neither did Draymond's mom. Chuck heard the backlash, and this was last night. What I said uh, was inappropriate. I would never punch an NBA player. I would never punch an NBA player. I meant what I said. I meant what I said. But uh, I would never punch an NBA player. Draymond Green's a good player. I think he's a nice kid. I wish him nothing but the best. But what I said was inappropriate. And I got guys who are mentors to me uh i grew down here they called me today and told me what i said was inappropriate Derek stafford jason whitlock and mike wilbon they're my mentors and big brothers uh what i said was wrong and inappropriate i appreciate them reaching out to me you know what I, my personal opinion should never come across in a comment i make about a team or a player it did last night what draymond is a hell of a player he's an irritant he Stop. annoys me no. at times but he's a hell of a player but what I said was wrong, and I apologize. So you're going to apologize to me as well? Oh, no, you're an idiot. You say, you, you say you're going to punch me all the time. Uh, yeah, because you deserve it. Oh, see. And first of all, Draymond got a chance against me. You don't. I, hey, 1996, Charles, I'll be, oh, I'm scared. 2018, Charles, I'm just like Draymond. Shoot your best. Why are we trying to water down Charles Barkley? It's so stupid. Who forced him to ap- apologize for what? He was clearly joking. Has For he, one, even if he, he wasn't joking, who cares? Has he ever apologized before oh, yeah. for comments? Yeah, he's had to apologize. Well, he apologized <laughs> he for the one for, thing in the car. I, I think know. he used to call in San Phoenix. Antonio women fat all the time. I think he had to apologize for that. 
Yeah, he may have apologized. That was a long-running joke. Yeah, he thought the women in San Antonio were ugly and fat. Is that true? He would say that. I've never been to San Antonio. Me neither. I just assume it's true. Chuck says it. I took it as gospel, yeah. Like, why are we... Okay, here's here's the funny thing. Don't know. We're such bleeping hypocrites. We want our athletes and our commentators to be more honest. And to, instead of giving the cliche quotes, right, be more honest. And then we get a character like Charles Barkley, who's honest all the time and tells you exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. Oh, but like, oh, but you now you have to apologize for saying something that was tongue in cheek and a joke. Do you think he would actually walk up to Draymond Green no, and punch him in the no, face? No. And part People of the, need to shut the bleep up. Part of the apology was, I meant what I said. I meant what I said. Yeah. And right after this, they the guys on the desk go about, you know, we were joking, right? You know, it's the whole thing. This is what we do here for 17 years. We make jokes and we laugh and yes. we're not really all that serious. No. Whoever the suit is that told oh. Charles Barkley he has to apologize is a moron. And if it's true that Jason Whitlock and Mike Wilbon both reached out to him. Jason Whitlock, by the way, who's the most controversial, like that guy will say anything. Why are you trying to water down one of the great commentators in sports history? Just let him be Chuck, man. And if you can't, don't watch the show. The only the only way that he should have apologized to Draymond Green is if he said something along the lines of, I wish he were dead. <laughs> like, if he had said that, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's going too far. It's that's not tough. nice. Sure. That's not nice. Apologize. But punch him in the face? We're now apologizing for What's wrong with this country? <laughs> What's wrong with us? Let's lift our spirits with a little game of who did it better, boys. Did you see the Donovan Mitchell uh, shot that he uh, put up and then got his own rebound and dunked in the midair last night for the Jazz as they beat the Rockets even up that series? Yes. Yes. Who called it better? Let's start with Utah Jazz Radio. Left hand dribble, teeth the defense, off balance, right hander. Got it back! Big champion! Oh my gosh! I've never seen anyone ever do that! (laughs) What? Okay. One more time. Left hand dribble, teeth the defense, off balance, right hander. Got it back! Big champion! Oh my gosh! I've never seen anyone ever do that! (laughs) I've never seen a basketball game before. Never seen someone there. Get a rebound, put back dunk before. And the that master guy was super pumped up. Crossover, Mitchell into a race. Oh, oh, he came in hot, went up high. And when you get that hot, you've got to come in hot. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not close. No, well, no, I mean, it's local. But it's, yeah, local guy. Local guy oh, whoa. Oh, never seen anything like that in I my life. Just saw oh. a man fly, Kevin Harlan. Oh, he's very good. He even gave us the Ric Flair woo at the end. Uh, Mitchell's. Oh. Teammate Joe Ingles was asked after the game about the play because Mitchell said he didn't really decide he was going to do the dunk until he was in midair and feels, well, I've got the ball now, so I'm just going to, you know, slam it home. Ingles. You see, his midair decision should have been to get back on transition defense. <laughs> I guarantee you that's in the film session tomorrow. Um, I, I don't know what his midair decision was because I've never been in that situation before, and I never will be. Did you guys see uh, Joe, Joe Ingles, who is fast becoming one of the more fun characters in the NBA from Australia. And uh, there was a moment where it was like, I don't know if it was, it wasn't an official timeout, but it must've been during a stoppage of some kind. And Quinn Snyder is gathering three players from the jazz for kind of a semi huddle. And as Ingles is walking toward that little semi huddle, Harden's walking next to him. Ingles puts his armor on Harden and brings him into the jazz huddle with him. And Harden just like to mess with him. And Harden, Harden stood there for like three seconds with a blank stare and then realized, Oh, I'm in the jazz huddle. <laughs> I should I should probably not be in the jazz huddle, so he just like walks away with a blank stare. <laughs> cool. 
Ah, uh, yeah. Ioannis Cespedes likes to wear a lot of jewelry when he plays baseball. Very expensive jewelry. Sometimes when you hit a first inning double and have to go hard into second base, it doesn't work out so well. That's diamonds? Oh, his chain broke. And those are the... Uh, oh, that's the... Uh, I got some the residue. Well, the cleanup is underway after uh, Ioannis Cespedes's necklace exploded as Dribble Cabrera, who has done everything for this team this year, now um, doing the, the housekeeping as well. Picking up diamonds off the infield. Dude, there was there was a pitcher, and sometimes those are like five ten thousand dollar pieces of jewelry those guys wear sure. during the middle of an athletic competition. There was a pitcher for the Blue Jays. Was it? Might have been their closer Osuna. A couple nights ago, and he you know he's taking the sign with his arm down, and it's like a Mister T starter kit. It's like four <laughs> gold chains, all kind of piled out onto the front of his uniform. Yeah, I saw that. Why? Why like when did that don't you take those thing? off for games? Right, like why no do you need idea. to wear those? I have w- no wouldn't you idea. be thinking about that all the time? Like the just the ten pounds of diamonds you have around your neck while you're trying to perform athletically? You I would think know. so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Judd. I mean, Judd has a Mr. T starter kit during the radio show, but he's just yeah. But I'm not going to slide in, right. into something yeah. and disrupt it so it falls apart. Right. <laughs> New rule for baseball. Maybe it's an unwritten rule. If you're a pitcher, say James Paxton of the Seattle Mariners, and you go out last night in your home ballpark and you just obliterate the Oakland A's lineup for seven innings, you give up two hits and strike out 16 over the seven innings. Only five of the outs you got weren't via the strikeout. And then your bullpen bullpen blows it by giving up three outs or three runs in the last two innings and Oakland wins. You get to punch your relievers in the face. New rule. That's a new rule. And then you have to apologize, even nope. if you insinuate. Don't have don't. to apologize. No, okay. You get to literally like punch yeah. him in the face. Good. Use, of course, the non-throwing hand. That's the smart way to do it. Of course. But that's the new rule. How many uh, How many pitches through seven innings? Because he was four away from tying the Major League strikeout record with six outs to go. Hmm, I'm going to have to find that exact number a here. Probably. A game? I've never heard of that. Yeah, exactly. A bullpen that can't be relied upon? I would hope that they didn't pull him with... I'm guessing early in the season they're not looking to throw a guy 140 pitches, but he was four off the major league record with two innings to go. Could he have found a way? Baseball 2018, though. They're not going to leave again. You yeah. find it? It's really not that big of a deal. Uh, no, I'm so close, but go ahead. Go to break. We'll have it on the other side. Okay. Uh, we actually have bonus stuff on the other side here. Are Americans ruining hockey is the question being posed. 105. Wait, they... P- they pulled him after only 105 pitches with the Major League strikeout only, record in sight? Only 105. These that's days, not that many. These days, that's like 140. Don't you let that guy go to, to 125 that. just to see if he can get to the ninth with the strike the strikeout record. That's that's a more okay. rare record than a... I there's mean, been f- four guys ever to get the 20 strikeouts. You need four more strikeouts to tie the record, right? If you get 20 pitches, no. is a lot to ask. Yeah, in this day and age, if you, if you take a guy up to, let's say, 130... Do you know what a big story that's going to be, even if you get the strikeout record? I don't care. Like, I want the strikeout no, record. Just, well, I, I agree with you. I'm just speaking for baseball. If he's on yeah. my team, he's going to 220. You're, not even, you're not even keeping track of the pitches. <laughs> well, that's, how you, yeah. that's how you coach, Dave. <laughs> yes. All right, bonus stuff. We also have Roy Smalley yeah, within the next hour. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. You'll find us most uncooperative. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And right now on the 1500 ESPN stream player, a $15 Caribou gift card. Thanks to Luther Brookdale Toyota Shop or Mackie Shops. Head to 1500ESPN.com. Click on the stream player to find out how you can win.
Thank you, Dave. Judd, do you think Americans are ruining hockey? I've never really thought about it that way, but um, Batman is, so yes. I guess they might be. How, how should we set this up, Dave? This is a Canadian senator yes. that that thinks Americans are destroying the Canadian national sporting. David uh, Adams Richards is his name, and he took the okay. floor for an official speech in front of his colleagues, fellow lawmakers. and Yeah, as you said, he's very upset with how Americans are treating hockey and how the broadcasters like to bring us that game of hockey and how they frankly ruined Canadian broadcasting, too, because all the Canadians want to sound like the Americans. Wow. Long ago and far away, when I was a boy, we wore hockey sweaters, not hockey jerseys. Reference Ross Carrier's a hockey sweater here. And we never sat in locker rooms. Some of us never saw a locker room before grade 10. Dressing rooms, they were called. And we didn't have a half wall. What would that be? We had boards. And we got penalties for boarding, not half walling. And we didn't deny a shot. We actually saved it. We didn't delay at the blue line, we stopped at the blue line. Nor did we take a wrister, what an insulting word, we took a wrist shot. Nor did we take a slapper, what an insulting word, we took a slap shot. And not the movie. And none of us from about the age of six months on ever needed a laser beam to follow a puck. And we didn't talk about he moves up there now and again and is swinging to and fro. Or this, he makes a luscious pass right there, or this, he takes a real good knuckler. No, my friends, we knew the motion of the ice and talked about gypsy doodling and swallowing the ice, and a player never took a slapper off the half wall, but there might have been a scintillating slap shot. Oh, my God. Sawchuck made fantabulous saves, not fantabulous denies. Sawchuck. And no U.S. commentator can speak about magical mittens because most of them never saw a mitten. But I have actually heard them say he looped it in like a real good dunk. These odious phrases are all momentary inventions by American play-by-play announcers who have never played or understood the game. And worse, almost sacrilegious, have no respect for the millions of Canadians who do understand and love the game. Sayings now adopted by Canadians who have no sense of tradition. The first thing lost is the game's essential genius. Tragically, Canadians are often forced to listen to American play-by-play commentators if we want to watch U.S.-based teams in the first or second round. I know, my fellow senators, that all of this seems petty, but nothing is petty about our game, nor the language you use to illuminate it. Our language enhanced and enriched every aspect of the play because our commentators actually knew what was happening on the ice. Oh my God. Our language was pure and didn't deny or lessen the greatness of the game because we wanted to sell it to an audience who didn't understand its greatness. So we had to be convinced about golden goals and shootouts and informed by the language of basketball and rules of European soccer. That to them makes it all legitimate. And Canadians will most often lose the shootout because they know the game should be won the way it is played oh and last God. as long as it takes. What? We now know this is into our homes as if being Canadian and recognizing false emotion and verbal idiocy doesn't matter. But you see, with hockey, everything matters. We have not won a Stanley Cup in Canada since 1993, and, and 75% of our best players reside in those U.S. locker rooms. When Boston won the Cup and Vancouver rioted a few years back, the Fox News commentator Shep Smith told a adoring U.S. audience that Canadians rioted in Vancouver because our 
U.S. boys beat them in hockey. This is amazing. Sorry, Senator Richards, your time has expired. Yes! What, like, what Honest is he? To God, you really, he really got up there and talked for that long. Like, about it, what, that. did he propose a solution? Maybe he was going to, but they cut him off. Just griping. Was that bunch a bunch of hosers? Was that an anti doc <laughs> bunch rant? of hosers. Kind of sounded like it, didn't it? Yeah, it sounds like he doesn't like like the way the doc tries to call it the game with different phrases and words sometimes, which I adore. He Waffling knifed, the puck. Knife the puck through center ice. It's a great word. Knife. Yeah. Boom. You know exactly what it means when he says it, don't you? I'm just amazed that, like, did this clown use the word tragically at one point? Tragically, I think he said about how, about trying to watch games. Really? It's like if you were to blend Lou Nanny's voice with Mark Dayton's voice, right? Like, that was well, that was amazing. Well, two guys who love hockey in their own right as well, but I imagine don't feel as strongly as he does about half wall versus boards. What's wrong with half wall? We didn't and half wall. We boarded people. <laughs> it's not called half walling. And by the it's way, boarding. the laser puck hasn't been used since Fox got out of the NHL business 20 years ago. I think that was the last time that the laser puck was used. Maybe yeah. we should bring it back. No. Take I, off the Canadians. It was it was too early oh, in its point. inception. Speaking of changing sports, the NFL, if you're a traditionalist, you are not going to be happy with what the NFL is about to do. We'll get to that. Roy Smalley at 1130. Matthew Collar in the house in the noon hour. Mackie and Judd.